like I say, we're just looking at the scriptures. Okay. All right. We're ready. Oh, Psalm 121. I, I, and I'll tell you, just to, it, it wasn't just, but just uh, a little while ago when I was going to use this scripture, I'm sitting there going, why don't I even, oh, you know, uh, pay attention to the verse that uh, I'm fixing to share with you. This is just so strong because it's, it's about what we're going to talk about. It's kind of interesting here. This, this, this King James Bible here, it's got some headings in it. And look what they call it. The great safety of the godly who put their trust in God's protection. Well, that's something I would say. This Bible here, oh, it's just a study Bible. They've already put that in it. Okay. He says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. Remember this in the King James? Well, as this is, from, from whence cometh my help. Well, we've heard that and we like that in our church language over the years. It's, it's embedded in our American culture. Shall I lift up my eyes to the hills? Well, actually, the interesting thing is, the Living Bible will tell us, shall I look to the mountain gods? And then, of course, he comes back and says, no, I'm not going to look to the mountain gods. I'm going to look to the God who made the mountain. So it's a bigger picture. But getting down to the point, my help comes from the Lord. Now, he didn't say, I hope I get help. No, my help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. In other words, so in a minute, when we look at the Living Bible, when, they, when, they, when the Living Bible refers to the hills as the mountain gods, it makes sense because he comes back and says heaven and earth. But I want us to get down to verse 3. He will not suffer. That means allow. We don't say that today. But it means he will not allow your foot to be moved. He that keeps you will not slumber. Wow. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Okay. Wow. So he will not allow your foot to be moved and the... He who keeps you, in other words, he's not asleep. Let's switch this to the living Bible here just a moment. Shall I look to the mountain gods for help? No. My help is from Jehovah who made the mountains and the heavens too. He will never let me stumble, slip, or fall. Look at this. He is always watching, never sleeping. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's say we tell that to little children. Well, I'm an adult and I have maybe my grandchild here. And I'm trying to tell them, hey, when... When we're sleeping, I mean, am I lying to my grandkids? Are you kidding? No, this is the truth. These are not cute little stories for grandkids. This was King David wrote this. And we'll get into some of King David's uh, 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 stories in just a moment. One thing I love about the Bible is um, it points out you and I individually, not our mistakes and things like that. Like that's the only thing God cares about. But your life, and so let's go over here. We're going to go to um, we're going to go uh, watch Jesus in uh, Mark chapter five, and in Mark five, uh, excuse me, we're right there already. Mark five uh, is right after. I'm real brilliant here. Mark four, but I want to tell you what's in Mark four. That's the sower sows the word, okay? The seed fell by the wayside, whatever. Okay, at the end of that chapter, let me close this part down. Excuse me just a second. Okay, so at the end of all this about the kingdom of God is like a man that plants seed, okay, whatever. He says, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Well, as you remember, a storm came up and it was real bad, of course, and he said, peace be still. All right, so next thing that happens, they crossed the water. Now, I'm telling you, when they crossed the water, Jesus was interested in one individual. Of course, he's interested in everybody, you'll see at the end of this chapter. But this is how much he loves you and I. When they arrived to the other side of the lake, 
a demon-possessed man ran out from a graveyard. Now, let's just hold it just a minute here. A lot of times in America, well, it's just he's got social problems. He has, um, it's just some sort of mental thing, giving him a little medicine or whatever. He's still, you got to get back to the scriptures here. This guy is being oppressed by a devil. Whatever. You don't have to go to Africa to see this. These kind of things take place. But anyway, just as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, the man lived among the gravestones and had such strength that whenever he was put in handcuffs and shackles, he's like a Houdini. Look at this. As often, he snapped the handcuffs from his wrist and smashed the shackles and walked away. Now, this guy's pretty bad off. Now, remember, you already know, too, this guy wasn't wearing any clothes either, okay? Uh, this story is written in Luke, and it's in, uh, it's in Matthew as well. It's not in the book of, of John. Anyway, no one was strong enough to control him. All day and through the night, he would wander among the tombs and in the wild hills, in the wild hills, screaming and cutting himself with sharp pieces of stones. Now, I'm going to jump ahead. We got all this detail about one individual. Jesus is fixing to get back in the boat and leave. He came all the way over here and helped one man. Say like yourself. Look at all the details we have about this poor life. You think your life is troubled. Look what was going on here. And yet Jesus came to rescue this guy. When Jesus was still far out on the water, the man had seen him and run to meet him and fell down before him. Okay. Oh, then Jesus spoke to the demon within the man. Notice he didn't say, you really have an imbalance here and whatever and you got emotional troubles. No, there was... There was just like angels, and that's all they are. They're not special, ugly-looking ones. I mean, they've lost their glory, but they're not like Hollywood, okay? They're just come to kill, steal, and destroy. But I tell you what, they're already afraid of Jesus, and they're afraid of you. <clears throat> Jesus spoke to the demon within the man and said, notice he didn't say, you know what? Let's chat a while. I mean, Jesus went right to the source. He said, come out. It gave a terrible scream, shrieking. What are you going to do with me, son of the Most High, a God? For God's sake, don't torture me. Now, this is the way that the Bible refers to the devil when it comes to Jesus. He, he, the devil is scared. The Bible tells us in the book of James, Jesus is, Jesus is uh, flesh and blood brother. James wrote the book of James, and he says the demons tremble. Anyway, what's your name, Jesus asked. And the demon replied, Legion, for we are many here. Interesting, he says Legion because the Roman soldiers were called legionaries. And that was the biggest threat in that whole territory during all these years. The demons begged him again and again not to send them to some distant land. <laughs> it sounded like the demons already know they were toast. Well, don't send us that far. Keep us somewhere close. Now, as it happened, there was a huge herd of hogs rooting around on the hill above the lake. Send us into those hogs, the demons begged. Boy, mistake, mistake. Not Jesus, but these demons. <laughs> Jesus knew. Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the hogs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside of the lake and drowned. Now, another point here. This story, is it supposed to make me think that, you know what, Jesus is the Christ? Well, guess what? The whole town in a minute is going to say, leave. So this great miracle that we could say here, it sure didn't convince this town. They were scared. So what's the story about? What's the details? It's about this man. 
Anyway, so anyway, the herdsmen fled to the nearby towns and countryside, spreading the news as they ran. What news did they have? What we just read. This man, nobody could tame him. Everybody was scared to go down there. Jesus didn't care. Jesus got out of the boat. But hey, by the way, devil, get out of this man. Well, don't leave, you know, whatever, don't run us off, and whatever. Jesus dealt with it. So anyway, everyone rushed out to see for themselves. And a large crowd soon gathered where Jesus was. But when they saw the man sitting there, fully clothed, and it's going to say in his right mind, at least the King James does, we'll see what the Living Bible says here, perfectly sane. <laughs> wow. You think Jesus does anything halfway for you? Mm -mm. You watch it all the time. He's always exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or think. That's taken from <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3, the very last verse. They were, now that's their problem here, they were scared. We well, got to understand, they had, they, people believed in reincarnation. They also believed that, well, if that devil jumped out of him, it might come on us or whatever. Oh, sure, Jesus is going to give them permission. Uh, don't send us out into, uh, what, into the abyss. Send us into those hogs. I'll tell you what, send us into that town into maybe some three and four and five-year-olds or some adults or whatever. Jesus is not in the business of doing that. He's getting people free. Those who saw what happened were telling everyone about it. Just like we are today. We're talking about that story. Anyway, so what happened? Uh, they began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Well, gee, remember Jesus always leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He came after for this one individual, but now he's going to go after the whole town. Watch what he does. So anyway, so he got back in the boat. Gee whiz, all this story about the sower sows the word, you know, great big story, chapter 4. And all of a sudden we get in chapter 5, and we're already halfway through chapter 5, and what's all this about? So Jesus got back in the boat. The man who had been possessed by the demons begged Jesus, hey, let me go along too. Well, Jesus wouldn't mind that, that's okay. But Jesus said, no, go home to your friends. That's the strength of the Lord, never sleeping and slumbering. He's like, go home to your friends. We're gonna, we're, you and I are going to have a private revival. He told him, and tell them what. Now notice this, it didn't say one thing. It looks like he's referring to many things. Wonderful things God has done for you. And how merciful he has been. So it's not like, well, Jesus healed this guy or fixed him, whatever, freed him from these demons because, oh, he was a perfect little trooper, you know, whatever. No, none of us are perfect. Wow. And how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns. That's the Decapolis uh, of that region. And began telling everyone about the great things Jesus had done for him. And they were awestruck by his story. Praise the Lord. Well, what am I going to do with all that? Well, it's in there for a reason. Let's go back to um, <clears throat> when we were looking at here. Um, uh, go back to the, these... You just can't uh, keep uh, David quiet. Shall I look to the mountain gods for help? Oh, gee, please. No, my help is from Jehovah. You know, it's from the Lord. Excuse me, my mouse work. It's from Jehovah who made uh, the mountains and the heavens too. He will never let me slip or fall. He's always watching, never sleeping. He's caring for you. He's your defender. He protects you day and night. Look at that. He protects you from all evil and preserves your life. He keeps his eye on you. Look at that. As you come and go, that's it. I wouldn't take long to learn that. I had to memorize some things. And of course, I didn't try to memorize it till 
the next morning when it was due, and I probably made a C because I couldn't get it right. But if you just think about knowing these little things, it's like, praise the Lord. What do you think God does? Well, uh, well, we would know if we lived there at the time of David wrote these because these were they would put these to songs and you could hear them <clears throat> just like we've done with the 23rd. I mean, every one of us in the room probably could almost perfectly recite the 23rd. You might think you can't, but I bet you can with a little prompting. You know how it is when a little child's doing it and they keep looking at their mother. What's the next word? And they go, yay, though I, oh, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Ah. Uh, Fear no, I mean, a little bit of help, you'd get it, but you know the gist of it. All right, let's go back, and since we know there was a fellow by the name of David, we are just in complete denial if we think there was never a kingdom. Just like, okay, well, there never was a David. Well, then I guess there never was a Solomon. Yeah, there never was a Solomon. Oh, my goodness. Yes, there was, too. <clears throat> Everybody knows who Solomon was. So anyway, uh, let's go over here to 1 Samuel. Samuel's the book, right after, matter of fact, Ruth. <clears throat> and uh, this is David and Goliath. We're not going to discuss that any. Chapter 18, we did it already at one time. And chapter 18 uh, was when uh, <clears throat> David is now staying in, uh, he's already killed Goliath. Uh, King Saul made him, uh, let's see, he made him the, the, whatever, the general of his army. He's still just a kid. You'll notice this. He made him a special assistant, carried out all his assignments successfully. Oh, there it is. Commander of his troops. Appointment that was applauded by the army and the general public alike. Wow. But let's preface this. This is why things went south for Saul. Now remember, Saul didn't obey the Lord. Samuel, the prophet, said, God said, go wipe out this uh, king. And Saul didn't do it. He and wipe out all the farm animals, wipe everything out, and he didn't do it. He only... Took care of business, got rid of their soldiers and stuff and whatever, but he he didn't obey the Lord. But anyway, so anyway, David killed Goliath. Women came out of the towns all over the way, along the way to celebrate and to cheer. Remember, David's killed his thousands. Oh, no, Saul's killed his thousands. <laughs> David's killed his ten thousands. And this ticks him off. And there it is. So, of course, Saul was very angry. So let's watch Saul here try to kill him. Okay, so here's what happens. So from that time on, Saul was kept a jealous watch on David. The very next day, in fact, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he was raving like a madman. David tried to soothe him by playing his harp whenever this happened, but Saul was fiddling with his spear. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he was. Suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David jumped aside. This happened another time, for Saul was afraid of him and jealous because the Lord had left him and was now with David. Finally, Saul banned him from his presence and demoted him to the rank of a captain. But the controversy put David even more in the public eye. But they never were going to get David. I mean, they, Saul was never going to get him. It was not going to happen. All the time. Why? Because the Lord was protecting him. Notice the next little interesting story here. So one day, um, Saul said to David, I'm ready to give you my oldest daughter. Remember Saul, he's... He wants him dead, so he's got a plan. I'll give you my older daughter, uh, Merib, as your wife. But first you must prove yourself as a real soldier by fighting the Lord's battles. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you never have to worry about people trying to set stuff up around you. Don't worry about it. The Lord's your shield. He's your protector. For Saul thought to himself, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. Who am I? David said, who am I that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed, my father's family is nothing. 
But when the time arrived for the wedding, well, Brody, Saul already gave her away. Well, remember, he was supposed to, uh, the, the idea here, you know he's supposed to marry Michael. Saul married her to Adriel, a man of Mahothat, instead. In the meantime, Saul's daughter, Michael, had fallen in love with David. Wow, interesting. Okay. And Saul was delighted when he heard it. Here's another opportunity to see him killed by the Philistines. Now, again, we really don't need these details. If we're talking about David, why don't we just jump on in? David became king, and he attacked these people and that people and whatever. But no, we're getting these details for a reason. That's because in your life and in my life, from today forward, all this week, all next week, all next year, God's going to be watching and not sleeping and protecting you and I as well. Okay. So Saul said to him, uh, uh, but David said, you can be my son-in-law. After all, I'll give you my youngest daughter. Then Saul instructed his men to confidentially say to David that the king really liked him a lot. And that, uh, and that they all loved him and thought that he should accept the king's proposition. We'll see the king's men, except for Jonathan. Jonathan, Saul's son, he wasn't in on it. Whoops, excuse me. Let me back up just a second. Let's see what happened here. Oh... But David replied, How can a poor man like me from an unknown family find a dowry to marry the daughter of a king? When Saul's men reported this back to him, he told him, Tell David that the only dowry I need is a hundred dead Philistines. Vengeance on my enemies is all I want. Because <laughs> remember, Saul thought, Well, surely while he's trying to kill these Philistines, they'll kill David. But notice it doesn't happen. Okay. All right, let's see what we got here. My mouse to work, excuse me. Oh, but what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight. David was delighted to accept the offer. Let's don't miss this. In other words, David wasn't afraid, was he? Remember, he said, I killed the lion, I killed the bear, I already killed the lion. He knew the Lord was with him. But we could learn a lot from all this. Okay, so before the time expired, he and his men went out and killed, shoot, what? Yeah, they doubled the number. Sounds to me like he loved Michael. Well, he did. Okay. And he, and he presented, uh, presented their foreskins to, the king, to King Saul. So Saul gave him Michael. When the king realized how much the Lord was with David and how immensely popular he was with all the people, he uh, became even more afraid of him and grew to hate him even more every passing day. Uh, whenever the Philistine army attacked, David was more successful against them than all of the rest of Saul's officers. So, so David became very famous throughout the land. Well, this jealousy keeps going and going. Now we were in chapter 17 was Goliath's death. Chapter 18, Saul already throws a spear at him. And it's nothing but these are disasters and plans trying to kill David all the way up through about the 29th chapter of, um, of this book right here. All the details. Saul now urged his age and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. <laughs> Good night. But Jonathan, now don't think about Jonathan a moment. Think about the one who doesn't sleep or slumber. Look at this. Next to kin to the bad guy is somebody that's on your side. Because of his close friendship with David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the field. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. <clears throat> okay. The next morning, as Jonathan and his father were talking together, he spoke well of David, begged him not 
to be against Him. He's never done anything to harm you, Jonathan pleaded. He's always helped you in any way He could. Have you forgotten about the time He risked His life to kill Goliath and how the Lord brought a great victory to Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you now murder uh, uh, an innocent man? There's no reason for it all. Well, finally, Saul agreed and vowed, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. (laughs) Well, that lasts about a day or two. Afterward, Jonathan uh, called David and told him what happened. Then David took. Uh, then he took David to Saul, and everything was as it had been before. You know, well, you get one chance. And the Lord, man, nothing has changed. Saul is still jealous. But anyway, war broke out shortly after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. And how come David's always winning? Well, if you read his Psalms, the Lord's on my side. Praise the Lord. Many of them had put them to put to flight their entire army. But one day, Saul was sitting at home listening to David play the harp. Now, what is it? Is he just a guitar picker or is he a soldier? He's both. And it's just the Lord. You know? Okay. Suddenly, the tormenting spirit from the Lord attacked him. He had his spear in his hand and he hurled it at David. Oh, man, this is getting old. Well, let's see if David made it. Oh. Uh, and hurled it at David in an attempt to kill him. But David, and this is you, dodged out of the way and fled into the night, leaving the spear embedded into the timber of the wall. Saul sent troops to watch David's house and to kill him when he came out in the morning. Watch this one. I mean, I tell you, every place he goes, he escapes. Here's another one. So anyway, he's with Michael. If you don't get away tonight, Michael warned him, you'll be dead by the morning. Saul's daughter. He's got Jonathan on his side. Now he's got his daughter on his side. So she helped him get down to the ground through a window. In a moment we'll see that she lies to her dad. Oh no, he's sick. Whatever. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed and covered it with blankets and with its head on a pillow of goat's hair. Now, remember it's interesting that she says this. Because see, it's been several years since Joshua. And there's there's one time there was a rage you'll see in this book. Uh, oh, oh, the Philistines get killed or whatever, and all the guys run out to go pick up these idols. I mean, they're just—they're still not really doing exactly the best they could do. But I just want to point that out. You know, <clears throat> she stuck this idol in his bed. You know, put a dummy in there to kind of fake out the troops. So anyway, she covered it with blankets and, a, and with its head of a pillow of goat's hair. When the soldiers came to arrest David and take him to Saul, she told him, Oh, he's sick and he can't get out of bed. And Saul said, bring, bring me to him in his bed so that he could kill him. But when they came to carry him out, they discovered it was an idol. Why have you deceived me and let my enemy escape? Saul demanded of his own daughter, Michael. Well, she goes, well, I had to. He threatened to kill me. Well, we know better than that. <clears throat> but she's trying to keep from getting in. <clears throat> I mean, if you'll. I think the next chapter, Saul. Well, I know he does. I know what happens, but it is the next chapter. Saul gets so mad at her brother, Jonathan, because he's saying, Hey, look, why are you after it? Saul takes his spear and lunges it at Jonathan. Jonathan has to dodge out of the way, and he leaves the table in a rage. And you know what? This is 19. That's chapter 20. And it's chapter 20. And it's chapter 21. And 22. And every time, every time, every time, he escapes. Let's finish this one though. 
Well, he threatened to kill me. That's why I helped him. In that way, David got away and went to Ramah to see Samuel. Well, we know who Samuel is. Yeah, he's a great prophet. Okay. And told him all that Saul had done. So Samuel took David with him to live at Naoth or whatever, South Alabama. When uh, the report reached Saul that David was at Ramah, he sent soldiers to capture him. Now watch this one. When they arrived, they saw Samuel and the other prophets prophesying. Hmm? The Spirit of God came on them, and they also began to prophesy. Who? These soldiers. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, it says, My Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Well, I know we, sometimes it's funny, we think about tongues and stuff and, and whatever, but these things are real, Okay. But the words are what matter. And you remember in the book of Acts chapter 2, these people were hearing them say the wonderful works of God. So that's what was going on here. And that's what's going on here. These guys are saying the wonderful works of God. They're not prophesying about the future other than they're saying, you know, God's going to take care of us. So anyway, uh, the Spirit of God came on them and they also began to prophesy. When Saul heard what was happening, he sent other soldiers. And now, now you know... These soldiers don't know nothing about church. It was the Spirit of God that got on them. So who's doing all this stuff? Who's doing all this protecting? The Lord who never sleeps nor slumbers. He's already got one set of troops taken care of. And he also blessed them too, didn't he? Here comes another one. He sent other soldiers and they prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. Three troops went down there. At least a hundred apiece each time. Then Saul himself goes down there. He's a mighty warrior. He's going to deal with it himself. He arrived at the great well in Saku where Samuel and David... No, where are Samuel and David? He demanded. And someone said, well, they're down there wherever, you know, <clears throat> New Hope. Watch this. But on the way to Naoth, the Spirit of God came on Saul. And he too began to prophesy. He tore his clothes off, lay naked all day. Oh, and not prophesied with Samuel's prophets. Like at church singing, you know. They didn't have any clothes on here. Saul's men were incredulous. What? Is Saul a prophet too? Anyway, I think the next verse it says, he went on back home. So what are we going to do with all this? Now, we're, we're not near done. I'm not going to go into the next chapter, but the next ones are great. The next one is when Saul uh, is so mad at uh, Jonathan, he throws a spear at him, and that's when David and uh, Jonathan... You know, they have that little shoot the air out in the backyard and whatever. And go farther, go farther, because he knows his dad is against him. But we're only at chapter 19. And this, this book only goes to, I think, Samuel, uh, 30, it's Samuel 31. And it's one rescue, one rescue, one rescue after another. Let me close with this. Something Jesus said here in, excuse me, in, uh, in the book of John. John chapter uh, 16 Actually, we're on the sidelines and we're just listening. 17. We're listening to Jesus in a prayer here. Let's see what he says. Oh, you know, Father, 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 Father. Okay, let's see what he says. Oh, yeah, he says, look at this. Oh, now my plea is not for the world, but for those you've given me because they belong to you. And uh, oh, all of them, since they are mine, belong to you. And you've given them back to me with everything else of yours, and so they are my glory. I mean, he's just talking about a group of people that at this point when he said it, they're going to deny him in a few hours. They're going to deny him. I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know him. Mm, I don't know the guy. Now, I'm leaving the world. Oh, great. 
just when we had it, great. Jesus is out of here. Wait a minute. Now I'm leaving the world and leaving them behind and coming to you. He's going to heaven. Holy Father, look at this. Keep them in your own care. Now, I wonder what that keep means. Well, let's just act like we don't have a definition. Let's keep reading and we might find out what that means. All those you have given me so that they may be united just as we are with, okay, well, we're united, you know, brothers and Christian, brothers and sisters in Christian love. That must be it. No, 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 wait a minute. We're not done. Keep them in your own care so they'll be united as we are uh, with none missing. Well, he just means in the body of Christ. Oh, please. Let's keep reading. During my time here, I have, there we go, kept safe. Kept safe. Let me tell you, the Romans didn't like, are you supposed to hold allegiance to those soldiers and whatever? Oh, my goodness. Everybody was trying to get Jesus. Uh, Luke chapter, Luke 4 Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That story, go read it. The whole town took Jesus to the edge of a cliff and was going to push him off. This is Luke 4. He's going to throw poor old Jesus off a cliff. But the Bible says he turning went through the midst of them. Just like David escaped Saul. Escaped, escaped. And one time Saul, I mean, David got all the way to the top of this mountain. And he said, he said, I have gotten here. He says, the Lord's kept me safe all this time. You know, he said, but... It's hopeless. He thought he was in trouble. Saul's men surrounded him. But guess what? An email was sent. A cell phone message was sent. All of a sudden, Saul finds out. I've told you this before, but let's listen to it. Saul said, uh, back home, we're being raided by the Philistines. <laughs> so they had to quit chasing David and go after them. And what did that do to David? Why did we have the details? His personal safety. The demon of Gadara, the man, not the demons. The Lord went all the way across that water, helped that one man, turned around and came back. I have kept safe within your family all these you have given me. I guarded them so that not one perished. What do you mean by that? Except the son of hell that the scriptures might be foretold. Well, he was, talking about, he was talking about Judas. So the only exception, and I love to say this because it's true, was Judas. Your name's not in there. You're involved in this right here. Kept safe. And now I'm coming to you. You know, in the same breath, watch, he never quits. Watch this. Let's speed ahead just a little bit. I know the world hates them. They don't fit with it. Okay, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. But keep them safe from Satan's power. Wow. Keep them safe. King James, let's flip it to the King James right here. 1715, and let's stop. Watch this. I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. The Lord's Prayer. Same thing. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but <gasps> deliver us from evil. Boy, wouldn't it be nice today? Oh, we have it. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord. By your stripes we're healed. If we're not feeling good, you'll take care of that. No matter what's hurting our bodies or whatever, or something might be bothering us, and we're worried about something that may not be right, Lord, we have benefits with you, and you'll take care of that. And, Lord, it's the same thing with finances. You just take care of all that. And if there's anything, maybe not finances or Something to do with our bodies. It's just stuff that's on our hearts. And we don't know how we're going to get. Wait a minute. We're going to trust you. You're going to get us out of that trouble. And Lord, that didn't leave anything left. But like that fellow that was demon possessed, you sent him back and go tell him all the wonderful things the Lord's done for them. How you've had mercy on us too. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. Good deal.